Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get ready to just live with Ryan Seacrest. I just learned that my coach at the gym recently was coaching Ryan Seacrest. No kidding. Did he say that he was 5'2 or something? No, he just said that he was honestly a really hard worker. And we were like, oh, interesting. Okay. Like we thought he might be a little complainer because mm-hmm. Lord knows all of us are a bunch of complainers. <laughs> um, and yeah, one of the kids asked what he was training for. And I was like, obviously just to look hot like nothing else you know what now not only are we two degrees of miley cyrus we're now two degrees of ryan seacrest which makes us three degrees of julianne huff and four degrees of miles teller by association of footloose (laughs) how are we three degrees of julianne huff oh my gosh they dated for a long time oh interesting who did she marry she married a man, but she came out as bisexual. I don't I don't remember the details. <laughs> oh, right. Can't keep up over here. Can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> and she grew up Mormon. Don't forget that. Speaking of pop culture, I am watching Love is Blind right now. And for all the people listening, the last few episodes, or the last episode and the reunion came out literally yesterday. So when this comes out on Friday, it'll be fresh in everyone's mind. It is the most prime television I have witnessed in a long time. I'm so invested in all these losers' lives. Okay. I just got, I'm not going to – this is not a spoiler because I'm not going to tell you who, but someone just got verbally ripped to shreds at the altar in front of all of their friends and family. You're kidding. And it's like, to what degree, like – do people deserve this public humiliation? Like, if you supposedly do love these people, whether or not you choose to marry them or whatever, shouldn't you still just, like, have a conversation with them before you get to the altar, before you're in front of everyone and wasting everyone's time? Like, I know No, that's not the way the rules of the show are that you must say yes or no at the altar. You can't say it before. Are you sure? Because there's been multiple I think conversations so. where they're like, just let me know, like, if you're ever not in it. You know, like you're you're allowed to like say this is not going to work for me. Oh, I don't know. Then I'm not hip to the current Love Is Blind guidelines, but I'm on the beginning of episode three, I believe, and I think that we should do a like ten or fifteen minute recap for next week's episode. And I'm glad that I waited to watch it because it didn't they do a stage release of everything, and now I have access to everything. Yeah, that's what's so frustrating is they did it in three releases this time. Last season they did it in two. So you're right on the edge of your seat trying to binge watch these losers' lives and then... (laughs) Loser on loser crime. It is loser on loser crime. That's what Love is Blind is. And I wish it weren't. I wish there were more high quality, upstanding citizens that go on this show. But as the season goes on, you're just like, wow, these people have so many issues. Like, it's no wonder they can't find anyone in real life. You know what breaks my heart is the couple that broke up from last season. They broke up recently. They got married and she came from like no family. Someone had like adopted her when she was almost an adult. An adult. And he came from oh, like a pastor Jared family. And Ayana. Yes. I thought I knew that there was trouble in paradise because of their personalities, but they really loved each other, I think. And I can't believe they broke up so soon. 
Yeah, but Hope is still alive because Cameron and Lauren are still together from season one. And Amber Which and shocks me to no end. And Amber and Barnett also shock me to no end. Do you remember when she like was engaged to him and she was like by the way i'm like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and like i'm not gonna change that like i'm always gonna be in debt (laughs) yeah and she's like i'm also like i also want to be a stay-at-home mom and he was like um okay (laughs) i remember there was no buzz about this show and me and our best friends Allie and jacob we all sat down and we're like let's just turn this on one night and we watched it for maybe four or five hours straight and then the next day at school i remember watching it in the library because i was addicted (laughs) we were on the forefront especially because season one it was a pilot so nobody knew about the show so it wasn't like people thinking it was going to become a big thing thinking they're going to be influencers after this so people were honestly in it to like find their spouse which is nuts absolutely obscene and i would kill kill to watch you play this sick and twisted game i just know that we'd all be like love is blind i don't care what you look like and then we'd get to the reveal room and i'd be a foot taller than my fiance and i'd be like gotta go i would just turn around the other way goodbye (laughs) You know what else I would kill to know is how your weekend was last weekend and also how your night was last night. That's a two-for question. A two-for. My weekend was good. Um, It was very chill. Didn't do much. Stayed in, which was actually lovely. It was very chill. My only qualm with it was that it was rainy and every time the weekend is rainy, I feel so robbed of the joy of my life because if it's sunny all week and I'm working all week, and then it rains during the weekend, I feel personally victimized. Like, the sky is out to get me. Um, so, yeah. I read some books. That was nice. Some downtime. Went to the grocery store. Played basketball with some boys. That's always fun. Um, and were you the only woman there at the basketball tournament? Yes. And I'm in this league. It's like an unofficial league with a bunch of guys from my apartment building who I don't know any of them. But, like, some guy's the ringleader. He's the concierge at my building his name's bob shout out bob he's like 50 and i love him um but he like wrangles all these kids to come play basketball together in the gym every sunday and every every week they're like abby no don't worry like other girls will be there you'll be there to like play against some other girls too it's like co-ed i'm like are you sure do we have confirmation are these girls in the group chat, are they actually coming or are they figments of our imagination? And they're like, no, 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 like Alex and Courtney and like all these people. And every time I get there, who is the only female in the room? Me. And normally I like situations like that where I'm the only female in the room, but not (laughs) when we are trying to play an intense contact sport. When I'm all by myself out there, the only girly pop holding up my own, but I did pull a She's the Man with Sebastian Hastings and I played along with him. That's stunning, Sebastian Hastings. Um, I went and did an activity. Here's 10 more activities that are off the beaten path. Um, I Because I couldn't go to Keeneland with you, I dragged my friend kicking and screaming to the racetrack on Saturday morning. <laughs> they have one in Southern California? Oh, my gosh. First of all, they have one in San Diego, and it has a view of the ocean, and everyone dresses really nice for that one. It's stunning. And then they have one – in Pasadena, which it's not like dress up unless it's an actual like event going on, and it was just a regular race that day. So I was like, let's just go for like two hours, and then we'll go shopping after I dragged her kicking and screaming, and I was like a kid on Christmas. You know how much I like horses, and it was so much fun. And I bet on exactly one horse, and I did what the thing. What was her name or him? It was something catchy. I bet on the name, not the color. So I remember it was something catchy. I don't remember exactly, but I. When I went into the betting man's window, there's like a whole instruction on the wall. And I was 
like kind of saying it slowly and then he was like don't worry like you'll be a pro after a few more races so he could tell i I have an addictive personality um but she (laughs) came in fourth she'll be back she came in fourth the horse and i needed her to come in in top three so i didn't win anything and then i was gonna bet on the second race that we watched and it's a good thing i didn't because that horse came in like second to last i was just betting off betting off of name and color so of course that was literally never would and then saturday night we met some of our friends for dinner and you know when you laugh so hard that you think you're gonna pee your pants <laughs> or your stomach like hurts from laughing that's how the entire dinner was for like three hours it was so wonderful oh that makes they me were so as happy. funny as you it was the whole uh, thing. i wouldn't go that far <laughs> it's the whole thing was laughing hysterical and after laying home i was like me and my friend were like what do we even talk about nothing important we just laughed so hard for so long so here's more oh, that's of that precious yeah i love it i love an evening of just being absolutely feral and silly yeah we didn't even go to a bar we went like to dinner and like got drinks and like a good meal <laughs> i love that that's so um, special and then how was your special night last night speaking of special Please give yes, fans a teaser. I'm I so excited to share. So with my job at iHeart in Nashville, there's a lot of events going on all the time and a lot of concerts and things like that where we will randomly have like extra tickets to that we either do on-air giveaways on the radio stations or we save them for our clients to like help upsell campaigns, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times we have extra tickets to like all these different things. So we always ask because you just never know like, Hey, we got any tickets to this? We might. So we've been asking for maybe a week, Kaylee and I, my work wife, who I love so dearly. She's also like my big sister figure. We've been asking for tickets to the CMAs and they were like, sorry, kids, like not this time. We don't have any tickets for you. And we're like, you know what? That's fine. It's okay. You've given us so much. Yeah. But yesterday, yesterday was Wednesday. And truthfully, it's incredible that you did get a ticket because there are so many executives that I'm sure could be asking for tickets, like old, older, like dad age men and who have daughters like me who would be like, dad, can you ask for some tickets to the CMAs? And people who pay and like take trips out to Nashville to go to the CMAs. Yeah, like from other offices. Dollars. Yeah. And it was 3 p.m. I was in the office. We had just finished up lunch. There were whisperings that maybe, <laughs> perhaps. You're holding, you're in the back and you're holding, you're holding a cup up to a stall, listening to someone whisper Let me tell on the you, phone in there. I was on high alert that day in the office. My eyes, I was like looking at everyone like, do you know something that I don't know? Like, where are the tickets? And 3 p.m. rolls around. I just get out of my last meeting and the the cat's out of the bag they have two tickets for us they're transferred to my phone I scream I jump out of my seat I'm yelling I'm so excited everyone thought it was so cute and fun because most of the people who have been with iHeart or in the industry for a really long time they've been to the CMAs like 30 times like they're so over it and this is like a big cool thing to go to especially for free like how lovely and so they were like you guys can go here are your tickets like have so much fun And of course, my first thought is like, what the hell do I wear? So I like panicked a little bit for three hours to figure that out. Um, But I've, I've, I pulled it out. I pulled out all the stops. I had a sparkly jumpsuit from New Year's Eve for that baby. You don't have, let me tell you, you have costumes. It was like the Hunger Games, Ashley. 
like the Hunger Games when you go to the Capitol and everyone is just dressed in like the wildest, wackiest, most sparkly, fringe, frilly outfits. Like it was hilarious. And people were just dressed to the nines to like sit in this audience. And I'm like, okay, like I see you old people pulling it out. It was fun. So you stayed until the tail end, right? Because I watched it on TV over here. Yes. So you had to be in your seat at 645 or else you had to wait until 715 because hashtag mm-hmm. that's showbiz. And so every time there would be a commercial break, people would sprint to the bathroom because if you weren't back in your seat in time, you had to wait in the hallway behind the curtain mm-hmm. before they could let you in um, because it was live. But Luke Bryan was so funny with Peyton Manning as a host. I think they did an excellent job. I loved all the performances. Carrie Underwood had like nine costume changes. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey Ballerini is a queen. I hope she's eating enough. Luke Combs, stunning. He's for sure eating enough. He did look heavier around the waist. I 100% noticed that than when I first when he first came on the scene like 10 years ago. If but you I love first- that he was winning awards, and I couldn't believe that Morgan Wallen didn't win a single award. And the whole no, night, Kaylee and I, I were like, I got eyes on Wallen. Like, Wallen would move move about the floor, and we'd be like, eyes, eyes on Wallen. Like, he's moving. <laughs> if this is your first episode, we are diehard country music, both CMT Country Countdown in 2006, um, and also current country, and also 90s country. Um but I was going to say someone else that I noticed. In- oh, Chris Stapleton deserves the entire world. That's what I was thinking when I saw him win whatever he won. God, he's talented. I love him and his wife so much. I admire them. I love them. They are not showy. And then also I was going to tell you when Luke Combs during his speech, whatever he won at the very end, was like country music is finally sounding like country music again. I have some theories about why he said that. <laughs> Please let me know. I'd love to hear I that. think Cody Johnson is a big, big factor. I think that also there's been a resurgence of more like tried and true country, like Americana type of country because of Yellowstone coming out three or four years ago. And I think that's had a big impact on what people want to listen to. Therefore, people like Cody Johnson are doing really, really well. Yes. Um, And Cody Johnson's voice is insane. He was one of the first performances of the night. He sang Till You Can't. And didn't he win? I think he won for that single. Yeah, he won like something. I was like, God, half, I love him. Halfway so watching humble. it on the TV. Also, this was the year of Laney Wilson. And to be honest, I could mm-hmm. only name like one and a half Laney Wilson songs before the night. But I love her. She's also so talented. Her voice is insane. And I also think people that like respect old school country, the Ellen Jackson of it all, like Carly Pierce, are becoming more on the scene versus the Dan and Shays are kind of fading into the background. I'm not a Dan and Shay sympathizer. <laughs> no, there's I don't, a lot of I know they won. people so, who did, are like kind I think of they won something. who I was thinking about, and they, I don't even think they were there last night. I didn't see anyone. I know Dan and Shay, I think, was there, but I don't know if they, like, did anything important. I don't remember. But people like them, I think, are, like, taking a backseat to people that respect old country. I was and so I couldn't agree more with Luke Combs. One best duo. Love them. I and love them so much. Yeah, I really, really like them. But yeah, I enjoyed watching and I'm so glad you got to experience it from a front row seat. Yeah, and randomly another takeaway I had was I have a slight mm. sliver more of respect for Hardy because I'm kind of a Hardy mm. hater, specifically. <laughs> That's something about me. Um, I don't I'm like him either. Behind the craze. I don't love his look. I don't love his energy. I don't really love his rowdy songs, which seems unlike me. But last night he sang the only song that I like by him, which is Wait in the Truck. It's a really powerful song. Are you familiar? Not word for word, but I know. I know. The lyrics it. and like the message of the song is like so 
insane and it's it's just good he, it's a duet with Lainey Wilson they sang it the set was cool it was cool to see how quickly they do set changes like so rapidly it's almost like they've been doing it for 36 years or 50 years or however many they're doing it 56 you know who's I, I don't know. You know who surprised me, though? I, like, know what she looks like, but I still get surprised that she's country now is Elle King. Yes. Her performance scared me a little bit. It is the 56th annual. You know, oh, good, good, good mind. Um, yeah. I, I like her because she's cool and different, but, you know, it was a little much for me, her Jerry Lee Lewis tribute. <laughs> well, I love Drunken I Don't Want to Go Home, but I don't really know much more about her. Except that she's Rob Schneider's daughter. <laughs> she's but, really, really raunchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it was very interesting to watch her perform. Um, but I currently Miranda my Lambert favorite, sure doesn't know how to smile, does she? Miranda Lambert sure doesn't know how to move back and forth on that stage. <laughs> no, she stood there. She with a did. Stick she in the just mud. did her tam. She did her tambourine, and I was telling my friend because she was over and we were watching it. I was like, I just watched. Our friend Jake do that exact same routine as tambourine at karaoke like three weeks ago, where he stood there and did the tambourine the whole time. I really like Miranda Lambert's voice. I think she's really cool. Like I, I don't like her style. attitude. I could get on my soapbox about the cheating. Like, they kept showing her sitting in her seat when like other people would be nominated or when she was nominated. Nothing like a stone cold face, no emotion well, shown. I'm like, are you? Do you even want to be here? <laughs> God bless America. It made me feel so patriotic whenever I'm around country music fans. I adore the Ellen Jackson whole deal. <laughs> and his whole speech, he was like tearing up. I'm like, damn, like I would lay my life down for you. You should make your TikTok bio three chords in the truth. <laughs> so God bless country music. And God bless our next guest that we have on. We have someone who I've been following for a long time on TikTok. Her name is Lydia. She lives currently in New England, and she has run a multitude of marathons and lived a multitude of different lives. And we're talking about fostering your different hobbies, creative interests, trying to figure out what it is that you want out of life, and allowing yourself to change that as time goes on, and also trying to build a sense of community. So we delivered finally. Here's a new guest for you guys, and take it away, Lydia. Yes, I know. Everyone's been itching. She's a writer. She's a content creator. She's a comedian and a runner and a cute 27-year-old girly. And we just love getting advice from other people all across the country because different perspectives equals more happy, healthy lives. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. She's really cool. We had a great conversation with her. Here's Lydia. What is going on, you guys? Happy Friday. Happy hour. Welcome back to Just Go With It. We are so excited to have a special guest this week. You know, we love having guests on, especially really cool, fun TikTok creators because Ashley and I are clocking a nine to five on TikTok. We are obsessed and there's so much to learn, so many cool people to connect with. So if you may know her, she is Lydia Lou 121 on TikTok. She's a runner, she's a writer, and she's cute and relatable. And we're so excited to bring Lydia Keating to the podcast. Welcome, Lydia. Thank you so much for having me and for all your kind words. Yes, we're so excited to chat with you. I know you most recently ran the New York City Marathon. That's all over everyone's page. You know, is, Matt from yeah. Bachelor did it. Zach from Bachelor did it. Probably some other celebs. I think Ashton Kutcher or something. Did he you did. see any celebs yeah. besides yourself? <laughs> uh, oh, I am certainly not a celeb, but I saw. Um, no, I didn't see. I didn't see any of them in the flesh. But Ellie Kemper, 
um, who played Aaron in The Office, who is a, com- she, a comedic genius, in my opinion. She she ran. Um, so, yeah, I think those were kind of all of them. I think Ashton Kutcher and Ellie Kemper were like the big two celebs. And then Matt James also. <laughs> He's like so funny to me. <laughs> I kind of like... I, I don't watch every season of The Bachelor, but I religiously watched his season. And um, yeah, I just think my boyfriend, I think he's so funny. <laughs> he is really funny. I feel like he's a walking meme. He kind of is. So back to the marathon. I personally, I've never run a marathon. I've never run a half marathon. I've done a handful of small 5Ks. I am ready to sign up for the New York City Marathon next November. I don't think I told you this, Abby. I'm so ready and if I start training by what you know better than I do April March I think I can do it it's just all the videos with people crying and the cheering and the posters and then we can all go together all of our friends mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm really I'm, inspired I think you should do it girl like I and you de- like if you yeah I I my personal opinion with marathons is I think anyone can run one like I feel like there's cook anyone can run yeah (laughs) I think there's like this mystery or this like I don't yeah um I don't know but like not mystery but I mean I guess 26.2 miles does sound like a lot but like just a little bit yeah but our bodies are (laughs) like your once you start training your body adapts and you surprise yourself and and also I don't know like when you this New York marathon especially like all sorts of there's such a range of fitness to who runs that race. So it's not like you have to be like, you can run it and you can walk some parts if you need to. That's like, what I'm I think, saying. Yeah. You're, you would cross the finish line for sure. Might um, be crawling, but. So how many marathons do you have under your belt? The, this past Sunday, New York, that was it, my second time running New York and it was my sixth marathon. Wow. She's a runner. She's a track star. <laughs> Were you ever a runner like in high school or when did you start this passion, I, this hobby, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I started after college. I started running after college, but I was, I rode, I was on the crew team in college and was a competitive rower for all of high school. So I felt like, like endurance sports were definitely not a new thing to me and um yeah so that was like it was almost like an easy crossover or not easy because I'm not like super fast or anything but I think one thing is just that I know like when you're during an endurance event like you always hit a moment where you're in extreme pain and I feel like from years of rowing I like know that that pain is a temper like if you, it does that pain doesn't mean stop like right. you like, know how so, to push yourself through things like that when things get hard yeah or just have like confidence I'd not to be like I'm resilient but like I just think no, I say know. it girl say it <laughs> I don't think that's it. I just think I have faith in the fact that like when things like things got really painful for me on Sunday around like mile 10, literally like stopped at a medical tent and like, yeah. And, and, and I think like what I, I don't know. I just like knew that, 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 that pain, I like popped two Tylenol and I was like, all right, this doesn't necessarily mean stop. Um, and, and it didn't. And then I kind of, the Tylenol worked and I felt and I kept going and it, and it, and it worked out well. I, I finished. <laughs> okay. Running to some people 
and honestly to me a little bit like long distance running seems like the craziest feat like the the sheer fact of like I know I know obviously like it's all mental like our bodies if we train and we like take care of them properly we can do so much more than we can even possibly imagine it's all like a mental hurdle but it's just really impressive for us all so like congrats like that's oh. really cool Thank you. So exciting. But what are some things you've learned? Because I know athletics and sports and just training in general, like teaches you a lot about yourself and, you know, your limits and how to push yourself in other ways and other areas of life. Mm -hmm. Um, So just as like a general question, what have you learned from your experience as a runner, your journey as a runner? Um, That's such a good question. I think, um, Running was definitely something I started doing for my mental health. And so it's interesting, like, how your question is, like, what has it taught me in terms of, like, resilience and other aspects of my life? Because I don't know if that's necessarily my relationship with running. I think it allows me to be resilient because it just makes me a happier person. And I'm just, like, the better version of myself when I'm running every day. Um, even if it like is only running like two miles, um, it's kind of crazy how I can be like in such a dark place. And then I'll be like, Lydia, go for a run. And it's like a veil is lifted and I can suddenly like see like light again. (laughs) Um, so, but I think, uh, it may be more specifically training for a a race, like a marathon, which does require just consistency and really sticking to a plan. Um, even when you don't feel like doing it. And there are certainly days where I just do not feel like getting up and going for a run that carries over to my writing a lot because I'm, I'm working on a novel right now. And there are certainly days where I'm like, I do not, want to write. And I don't feel like the inspiration to write. I just don't feel like that zest that uh, is really nice when it's there, but it sucks when it's not. And I think that the relationship between writing and running, it feels very similar in terms of just like sitting down, like no matter how I'm feeling, sitting down and doing what I said I was going to do or putting my sneakers on and going for the run because I said I was going to do it is like a very similar kind of lesson. And there's, there are like, it's actually strange. There's a lot of, there is like a writer runner crossover that happens a lot. Like the author Haruki Murakami, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He wrote a whole memoir about, um, the memoir is called what I talk about when I talk about running. And it's really, it's like simultaneously a book about running, but also a book about his life as a writer and it feels just so intertwined maybe I'm like romanticizing it in my life but I'm like that's me (laughs) no it's interesting that you say that because I actually had that question as you were speaking pop into my brain of are there a lot of writers who also find refuge in running or something that's resilient and monotonous and kind of quiets your mind in a way I guess that can be different for everyone it could be like swimming or something um, but that movie, what's it called? Not Love and Other Drugs. Not Love Actually. Crazy Stupid Love. Not Crazy Stupid Love. Stuck in Love. That's Stuck what it's called. I'm, what, Obsessed what it? with that movie. But he, like the main guy who's the dad, who I also think might be the dad in um, the last song. 
love him stunning man he is a writer and like his whole family is writers and they're all very like introspective and mm-hmm. thoughtful and they're all runners which I just like think is really funny so when you were saying that I thought of that movie and I love that movie so much I need to see it because yeah. I think I actually think I, okay so I got my MFA in um, creative writing last year and um, my cohort which was only it was 10 people I felt like yeah, it was a small group. Um, I'm literally trying to think, I don't think any of them worked out. Like, and, and in fact, I think some of them were like, looked, you know, as a, as someone who was a college athlete, there was definitely a sentiment on campus of like the athletes were like kind of dumb, like whatever the dumb jock stereotype. And, um, I, I think that's such a, honestly, uh, like ridiculous, sort of trope because if anything like running every day completely enhances my writing um but but it's weird like I feel like it's it's polarizing like it's one or the other I meet writers who are just like oh I I never work out like working out is for like idiots and then and then I occasionally or like I actually don't know if I've ever if I've met someone recently who's a writer and also works out but um you're like yeah it's actually so dumb to take care of your body and your mental health like what an (laughs) idiotic idea (laughs) a stupid thing but I've talked about that like I think being like kind of like a upbeat blonde bubbly girl people sometimes don't think you're very smart and I don't know there's like that a layer of misogyny there and that whole thing and Sometimes that's like as when I'm trying to promote my writing on my TikTok, which is mostly me being like a bubbly runner girl. I'm like, is this ever going to work? Am I ever going to like be able to like tell my TikTok audience, like go buy my book when it's out? Because like maybe they just don't think of me that way. And it's breaking out of that stereotype might be hard, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> What's hard about TikTok is that they really try to put you in boxes. Like you kind of have to be a very specific thing in order to grow or reach a right audience or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, but in reality, people are very multidimensional and we have layers and we have different interests and passions that we don't always have to fit a stupid box. So I can see that being really hard of trying to be taken seriously, but also show your personality and be authentic and genuine to that side of yourself. I'm going to do want to talk about TikTok because you're huge on there. Yeah. That's how we found you. And that's how yeah. we started this conversation. When you first started, give us kind of the rundown of what that looked like. Like, did you go more as like a promotion for your writing? Did you go just for fun? Did you have a goal in mind at all? And it kind of fell into your lap or what did that look like? Um, it's a little, it's kind of a long story. Um, I, so I started TikTok, uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic and I was living in LA at the time. Um, and I had been living there for three years and for and was really into stand-up comedy and doing open mics like all the time before and, and shows when I was booked on shows um, until the pandemic, obviously, and live stages were shut down. And so I first got on TikTok because I very naively thought, oh, this pandemic is going to be like two or three weeks. We're going to get through it. <laughs> I know two I was weeks like, to flatten the curve. Am I yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just need to sharpen, keep my comedic muscle sharp because that's like going to open mics every night. That's what it does. You're just like slowly sharpening this, like this kind of skill set. Um, and, and I, I could always tell when I took like a few days off going to mics, I could always, I always felt like I was a little rough around the edges when I first got back into it. So I started making 
um, like sketch comedy videos. Um, and I first was posting them on Instagram. I know you, no one like, you, sorry, go on. Do yeah. you think it's easier to write comedy or to write fiction? Um, well, I always try to make my fiction have like a comedic tone or like there, there being like comedic moments at least. Although a lot of my fiction is kind of like darker. Um, but I, uh, I mean, I think comedy is like the most elevated art form. Like, I, I think it's so hard to write a good joke and to be funny. And, it, and I have like so much respect for, for comics and, um, well, it's hard because comedy is so personal and so yeah. is, so are books, but at the same time, like people are seeking your book out, but at a comedy show, like you were trying to appeal to the humor of so many different people and everyone's so different. So it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one part of it. And I just think like writing a good joke is literally like a math equation. And I've, I've been recently reading um, Eileen, which was Otessa Moshfig's first novel. Do you guys, did you read my year of rest and relaxation? Oh, okay. wait, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. Okay. Like Otessa Moshfig, I don't think anyone would think of her as, a comedic writer but I personally think she's so funny and I think her writing is so sharp and witty and like they're in it but it's like subtle enough that it's like not in your face and um you know obviously like David Sedaris is another super funny author and his his is more like on the nose humor but anyway um yeah sorry to answer your question I think comedy is the hardest but if writing good fiction that has sprinkles of comedy is like Mwah, creme de la creme <laughs> mm. so bringing it all back to tiktok that's how you started was making these comedic sketches and then what the heck happened oh yeah sorry great question so i was writing i was doing these comedic er, sketches and then posting them on instagram didn't have an like my friends and family followed me on instagram like i didn't have like any sort of following and sometimes it was like embarrassing i was like oh my gosh like am i a fool and so there was one comedic video that I was like too embarrassed to post on Instagram. I'd been hearing about this TikTok app and I was like, might as well download it. Yeah. And I posted um, uh, this kind of just weird, but it was supposed to be funny video and it, and it went viral. It literally got 3 million views in like two days. And at the time I was like, okay, I'm famous. I, yeah. Like, no, for sure. Yeah. I was like, where are the paparazzi? The rest of my life is taken care of forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, where, where are the millions coming? My <laughs> um, and quickly learned like, TikTok is like a freaking machine. Like you're relevant one day with a viral video, the next day, who cares? You're like old news. Um, kind of like the harsh real world out there. The only way to go viral is to make another very similar video to the original one that went viral and just like keep making iterations of basically the same content because to your earlier point, um, yeah, TikTok wants to put you in a niche and wants you to just like keep making the same, basically the same thing over and over again. So that's kind of how I originally grew. And I started doing these things called like I started doing like makeup story times um, that started off funny. Like it was literally me pulling material from my my stand up set that I had been doing for the pa the two years prior. And then I obviously I only had like a tight 10. Everybody <laughs> so I, thinks you're cringe until you're successful. Yes. I have a sticky note that says that and I look at it every single day because there's nobody that is more cringy than me. 
Yeah. So I, and I sure have had my, my moments and I still do my moments of utter cringe and people comment cringe. I'm like, yeah, babe, it's the price of success. <laughs> okay. So when you were in Los Angeles, you moved back to the East coast recently, right? Semi-recently? Not now, not that recently. It's crazy how time has flown. I moved back to the East coast in June of 2020. Okay. And you've talked in some of your TikToks about building community. So how have you done that moving from one coast back to the other coast, back again to the other coast? This is like, literally, I just was on a call with my therapist. This is like my plight in life. Welcome to BetterHelp. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we can get into it. No, I I don't think I've done a very, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible. Like, I I like live in a very small town in Rhode Island. This is kind of like where I retreated at the beginning of COVID um, because I lost my job. That was another thing. I feel like I doubled down on TikTok because I lost my job. And I was like, wait a sec. And I, at that point, I already had like 200,000 followers. And I was like, maybe I can like, this could be my job. And I could work and it ended up working out. But um, yeah, I came back to a really small town, Rhode Island. And um there's just not a lot of, I don't have a lot of friends, even though this is like my home and um, I just don't have a lot of friends around here. And then, and, and, you know, when you're, when you don't like, I had a lot of wonderful, wonderful friends in LA, but when you don't live in a place for three years, yeah, you kind of fall out of touch with people pretty easily. And, um, and I definitely had like the post COVID social anxiety that I never had pre COVID. Um, like pre COVID, I was a social butterfly. Post COVID, I'm like popping anti anxieties and like you know like just to go to class. So, and I and I feel like that's getting a lot better now that we're like kind of definitely out of the weeds with with the pandemic and with like quarantining and everything. But no, I'm like deeply yearning for a community and trying to figure out like part of me is like, do I go back to LA and just try and like a lot of I have a lot of friends who are still there. I'm actually getting one of my friends is in in Boston and she's from LA and we're getting lunch tomorrow. And I'm like, honestly, going to ask her, I'm going to be like, what should I do? But (laughs) um, should I go back with you? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't really have a good answer to that because I feel like I've kind of fumbled the ball in terms of and and it's only further illuminated how important it is to have one yeah I feel like everybody fumbles the ball post-grad with community um no one has like the tried and true answer um and then I saw also on TikTok that you moved briefly to New York and I kind of wanted to talk about what your decision was to move there and how you made the decision to leave after your stint was also just talking to my therapist about this um oh wow (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I, so I made the decision. I I only, I had like a short-term lease. Um, it was actually an Airbnb. Um, and I was going to be there for four months and kind of just like see whether it worked out. I have these like potential travel plans like to go abroad in January of 2023. So it was all going to New York was always like a short-term plan. And, um, I left kind of, um, it was like, I would say a pretty rash decision. I left because I was like, well, I'm paying an arm and a leg for this Airbnb. And I feel like I'm just sitting in my, in the apartment working on my novel. And I'm like, what's the point in paying this much money to be in New York? If I'm like, not even like really being in New York, like I'm, my goal is to finish the rough draft of this novel by 20 December, like before 2023. And 
like, and it, it, I was just like, I just need to leave and go back to solitude and fit, bang out this novel. And then, then maybe I'll come back to New York. But I look back on that and I'm like, I should have just seen it through. Like I, I knew it was going to be expensive. That's what I signed up for. Of course, it's always kind of scary seeing like large sums of money get depleted from your bank account. But like, I like really made a thoughtful decision to go there. And I feel like I didn't make a thoughtful decision to leave. New York is a, an amazing, beautiful city. I think I actually, when I was there for like the month that I was, I, I did think that people were very kind in New York, which I know like New Yorkers have this reputation of being like, not unkind, but just like kind of every man for themselves sort of thing and a little more rough around the edges. But I, I just, I felt like most people I'm, interacted with in New York were really nice and the marathon kind of illuminates how this like energy in New York that is unreplicated anywhere yeah, else yeah yeah so I I think it's a really awesome place I also like love how expressive people are with their fashion in New York like I freaking love cool clothes and it's really amazing to just like walk down the street and like be inspired by like every outfit that passes you and um, the Phil, as though TikTok projects like an unrealistic version of New York, because it's all that's on my For You page currently. And it's making me think that I would like to live there, which I think isn't really the reality. <laughs> and um, this kind of ties into how you wrote that. Was it an essay or an article recently about how social media is toxic, even though you're an influencer? Oh, yeah, that was in yeah February. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote yeah. that. Um, it's just that seems I like still, it tracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just feel like I get such a convoluted view of New York. I believe that the NYC, uh, the whole marathon really brings it home. But like an everyday version, I feel like it's not really what it seems. Obviously, nothing is what it seems. Yeah, I mean, the city is dirty. Um, and like dirty, the rats run the city. (laughs) Yeah. And there are scents that you smell as you like walk down the street and you're like, what the, what was that? Like it's, um, and that, and that was like, I think also cause I moved there in late August. So still hot. So this, everything is like steamy as well. Um, and, and the, there's like, there's really not a lot of nature. Like the, the, a tree is few and far between. And that's why like, since, since I've gotten back, I've, my brother lives in Manhattan and I'm like, if I came back to New York, I would a hundred percent, I I would need to live either near Central Park or Prospect Park. Um, because I think access to even like a version of like greenery trees, nature is really important to me. And that was some, I, when I was there in August, I was living in an area that really wasn't close to any park. So I felt like deprived in that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think probably the New York talk TikTokers that you see have all this money and they're mm-hmm, and they don't, so true not a kid the world about lug their laundry in the suitcase to the laundromat right and and just like being able to indulge in the beautiful restaurants that do exist in new york and i i mean i like was very conscious about how much i was spending and um and like stressed about it which was something i wish i kind of like was like just accepted like yes it's expensive to live in new york everyone knew that like i knew that going in but talked on your tiktok before about like projecting an ideal version of yourself when you think about moving to a different city um can you expand a little bit more on that um oh like when i moved to new york thinking i would be one way 
Oh yeah. I mean like, well, there's the quote of like, wherever you go, there you are, which I believe is actually a quote that they, my friends who are sober have, have told me that that's like a big AA quote. Um, but I very much feel it like it's true for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, it's true. Like you're moving and relocating is seldom going to change whatever is fundamentally bringing unhappiness. I mean, sometimes if, Sometimes it moving does help, but I don't think it like fully ever eradicates uh, an issue if there is one. Um, so, yeah, I think and I think I think I fell into that trap a little bit with New York and maybe I'm falling into it again as I'm like, maybe I should go back. <laughs> but um, I mean, where I am now is definitely not where I sh- like I shouldn't. I sh- need to leave this uh, small town that I've been in because mm. it's, you've outgrown it's, it. Yeah, it's no longer serving me. I love it and I it always will be my home and have a special place in my heart, but it's just it's really isolating and I need community. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said you're in Rhode Island, right? Okay. Between the rowing, the Yale, the running the marathons, the writing, the TikTok rating, the comedy, I feel like you've lived multiple lives and you're still so young and we're all so young. Also, if you don't mind sharing, how old are you? I'm 27. 27. Oh my yeah. God. I thought you were like maybe 29 at least. You've just done so much in your life. <laughs> um, congrats on that. 27 is like the golden age that all of us think as like the best year of your 20s for whatever reason. I just, really? My, yeah. Like growing up, it's like, oh, 27, like stunning. You're hot. You made it. You're doing oh, all God. the things. Well, I'm, 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 I'm messing, I'm messing it up then because I do not feel that's me right now. <laughs> no, I'm sure once we get to 27, we also will not feel that, but it's just yeah. this idealized thing in our head. Yeah. Regardless, you have seen more of your 20s than we have, and you've also seen more lives than we have because of how diverse everything's been for you, which is really, really cool and awesome. Throughout your travels and all of your experiences, have you gleaned any advice that you think, like a big sisterly type advice? We're big on that on the podcast. We just love to get any advice and pick little either like life mantras that you live by or literally just anything that you carry with you that's helped you throughout your time. Well, I wouldn't say this is like my original, like, I feel like someone's probably said this before, but I think, um, when it comes to like being the person you want to be, like, I feel like sometimes there's a fallacy of, um, like our passions will come to us and like think, well, there, there's that, what is that, um, that mantra that's like, I don't chase, I attract what belongs to me will eventually find me. I I think that there's some truth to that. But I also think there's truth to the opposite of like, if you want to be, I don't know, this is a a random example. If you want to be a trail runner, like go, just go, like, you don't have to like wait for things to fall into place to do that. Go do it. Yeah. Like go, if you want to be something like, this is very much how I felt about stand up comedy. Like, I had never, I wasn't in any sort of comedic groups in college. I'd never done stand up before, but it's like, I was like, I want to be that. I thought comics were the coolest people in the world. And I was like, that's who I want to be. And then I just, um, it took a couple, it took a couple of tries and I was definitely scared, but I just started showing up to these open mics. And then like, it really, it's like a huge part of my identity. And I think I, I like look back on any time I've been successful in any of my endeavors. And it's all because like, 
it's all because I just chose to do it. And I didn't wait for someone to come take my hand and bring me there. And I think it like, it's when I first moved to LA, like I was my first year, I feel like I was waiting for my big moment where I was going to meet the right person who was going to introduce me to the right opportunity. And all of a sudden my writing career was going to take off from there. That never happened. And I think unless you're some like kid of a celebrity like that really won't happen nepotism season (laughs) yeah and I know I have friends who are children of celebrities and they are like I'm like how are you not doing anything like like even they I feel like aren't doing like uh, cool things and like I, I it really just if once you get into the mindset of like it's well it's like Taylor Swift's song you're on your own kid you've always have been do you have any advice for someone that is trying to like foster other other outlets, like how you found comedy that isn't even sure where to start, like how to even pick a hobby or a new passion project or something? They're like, what do I even do? I haven't had a hobby since I was a little kid or like taking lessons in anything since I was younger. I mean, nobody has their answers, but that's a good question, Ashley. I think it's really hard to figure out what your passions are if you – never put yourself out there and you never get out of your comfort zone and you never try. So if there's some things you think you might be interested in, but maybe you're not even sure, just try it. Just put one foot in front of the other and dabble in it. And if you don't like it, it's fine. It it doesn't mean it's a waste of your time. It just means you tried something and it leaves space for something else to try next. And I think hopefully for our whole lives, not just our 20s, we're not going to stop at 30, but I think we should always be trying new things and maybe when we're 60 years old, we'll find a new hobby or a new passion that we never had before because it was something new that we'd never tried. But yeah, I know it can be very daunting, like figuring out exactly which avenue you want to go. And I also am one of those people too, where I don't really think that your passion necessarily needs to be your job. I think it's very rare, honestly, in a realistic life that both of those things align and that's what you can do forever I think it's okay to have your passions be on the side and not make it your full-time job necessarily I think a lot of people put too much pressure on that especially our generation and the dabbling also can be applicable to everyone like me that saw the New York marathon videos and said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up (laughs) in the next few years look like take a step and look inward and think who do you think are like the coolest people like what what do you, who do you admire? Like, what do you think, who are, who are the type of people that you're like, they're so cool? Because that's really how I felt this pull to comedy. I was like, comedians are so cool. And like, I just literally thought they were like swaggy. And like, I was like, I, I I was like, I literally just want to be friends with them. So how do I be friends with them? I put myself in the same space as them. So I think like, just focus on like who you think is cool. And then look at that even closer and be like why do you think they're cool and then do the thing that they're doing that you think is that's cool. really good that's a good way of like simplifying it yeah. yeah yeah so do you have more importantly than anything else do you have any podcast or book recommendations that you feel like our listeners must must consume besides must must we talk about yeah. books a lot we- oh you do i love that okay um well, I, as far as books, I mean, I'm really enjoying Eileen by Otessa Moshfig. I'm sure, have you guys read Sally Rooney's books? Yes, I've read, not all of them, I think I've read two. Oh, okay. I'm like a Sally Rooney stan. I mean, Conversations with Friends was my favorite. Normal People's obviously iconic and like already has its hype, so I feel like I don't need to give it more hype. Um, but her most recent novel, Beautiful World, Where Are You, is also fantastic, so I love all three of hers. Um, George Saunders is probably one of my 
favorite authors, if not my absolute favorite. And he has a collection of short stories called 10th of December, which are just every story is so incredible. And um, I love, and I'm trying to think that that's not like necessarily like a fun book. There's this book called the art of fielding and the name of the author is escaping me, but it's about a college baseball player and it's such a good book um and a really fun fast read it's like pretty long but you I kind of like devoured it when I did read it and um yeah I mean those are kind of my Lisa Tadeo's three women which I think is being adapted into a a, actually already has been adapted into a series I think on FX is really good and that's actually nonfiction, and it kind of follows these three different women in like pretty uniquely different romantic situations um and it was really good um so yeah there's just so many good ones out there that that's helpful because a lot of those i haven't heard of and then when does your book come out well i haven't finished it thank you for asking though that's very nice um i perfect world when does your book come out (laughs) oh in a perfect world i finish it in january i send it to i've been in contact with one literary agent but i'm probably going to go through the whole kind of querying process with a couple others hopefully i find an agent by February and I I know once it gets sold to a like even if it got sold to a publishing company like a publisher in March usually it's still a year before I mean it's crazy how long these processes take so uh, yeah so but um but stay tuned stay Stay alert everyone (laughs) and if you are interested in my short fiction I do self-publish on my website lydiakeating.com and um yeah you can read it Okay. Yes. Continue to pimp yourself out. So that's your website. Where can people find you on TikTok, Instagram, whatever you want to share? Give you a Oh yeah. TikTok, Lydia Lou one, two, one Instagram, Lydia Lou one, two. I do have a YouTube, but I'm not very active on there. So don't bother. YouTube seems like a lot of work. It, all of it, it it's to be relevant on all platforms is like, I think I, maybe I'm not built for it, but it's, it's so much work. You gotta yeah. be built different. You have to outsource before we close out, do you have any advice? I keep asking for more advice. Any advice for anyone who's interested in writing in general and maybe didn't go to school for it? Yeah. Um, well, I think I just, I've met so many people who are writers, but don't actually write. And I think that happens a lot. And I, and I don't judge that. Like I used to be, I used to be, when I lived in LA, I was a writer, but wrote literally one one pilot and that was kind of all I had to show for myself and it wasn't even very good and I think you can kind of be paralyzed by this idea that you're not you maybe like don't have the education that like sets you up to be a successful writer you know you come up with all these reasons why you're not worthy of writing but my advice is to just sit down and write every day and um give yourself deadlines and hold yourself to them and um yeah. And share your work even with friends. Like it doesn't have to be like sharing your work in a public way, but I think knowing that someone will eventually read it always helps me when I'm writing something because I'm not just, I'm not like writing into the abyss. It's of- not just like a journal entry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Lydia. 
for sitting and chatting with us. And we can't wait to see all your stuff that comes out. Your next marathon, your book. We're excited. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. It was so great meeting you guys. Thanks for having me.